from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to the month of February, February 1st, 2024. Can you believe that it's been a month into the year? And this January has been crazy. Like, I was reflecting a few minutes before the show started as we were getting ready to go live. Like, this has been a crazy month. I mean, 2024 has started off kind of crazy. Pretty crazy, like, in the world of cyber, but just the world as general. Ben Shapiro is the number one rapper in the world. I don't know if you've seen that. I don't know what planet we're living on, but we're living in a planet where Ben Shapiro is the number one rapper with the number one song in the world. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. All right, so we've got a packed show for all y'all this morning. A really emotional day yesterday on Capitol Hill. Two simultaneous testimonies that directly affect many cybersecurity practitioners were taking place in different uh, uh, congressional and Senate committee hearings yesterday. We're going to uh, take some time and focus on those, as well as Avanti finally patches their zero day only to find more exploits. So all in all, it's been a rough, rough month. So join me for my traditional kickoff for the show, my double espresso, whatever you're drinking this morning. Tune in. Coffee cup cheers, y'all. For everyone tuning in, watching us live on YouTube, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Rumble, X. Uh, thank y'all for being here. Let's go ahead and get started yesterday. The uh, National Cyber Director, um, NSA Director, CISA, and FBI Director all testified yesterday um, in D.C., all testifying about China and some of the uh, strategic competition uh, in front of the House. The FBI and Department of Justice used court-endorsed court legal authorities to disrupt a botnet operated as part of a Chinese-directed hacking operation. And again, I talked about it yesterday on the show. This disruption had to go through a court-endorsed legal authorities because the White House can't seem to put together a strategy. I can't, like, like I, I can't exercise enough to the fact that our foreign policy and our executive leadership is somewhat broken when it comes to cybersecurity. And maybe it's because we have 80-year-olds holding these, 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 these jobs who don't quite understand the current threat. Yesterday's hearing was marked with the fact that China is actively working to gain foothold in U.S. critical infrastructure and disrupt it as part of a larger campaign. The analysis yesterday from FBI Director Ray and as well as CISA Director Jen Easterly all kind of point out to a, a, a dozens of Chinese hacking operations targeting U.S. critical infrastructure and other sensitive targets. Uh, General Nakasone disclosed a little bit more about what the intel would be or what the modus operandi of a Chinese attack to invade Taiwan would look like and what impact it would have on the United States as well. It was a very, very charged room, to say the least. Uh, Director Easterly also testified. She talked about a deeply concerning of, uh, evolution of Chinese targeting civilian critical infrastructure, uh, all to ensure that they can incite social panic and chaos to deter the ability to marshal military might and civilian will 
in the event China decides to take some sort of aggressive action against Taiwan. Um, and his and General Nakasone said there's no reason for them to be in our water. There's no reason for them to be in the power. This is a decision by an actor to actually focus on civilian targets. All of that is being heard by our elected official who decide policy, who have yet made a decision as to whether or not China should be the largest trading partner to these United States. And it shouldn't be. We have allies. There's other countries who love America, who want to do business with America, that we can go do business with, and we can divest out of China. Once America divests out of China, when China loses its number one customer, its economy is already on the brinks of collapse. The Chinese are teetering, teetering at the edge, teetering at the edge. You pull out of there. You pull out of China. If, 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 if you do that, if you take away mass manufacturing from China, and let's say you move it to places like India or, or South America or Central America or parts of Africa, you deliberately kill their economy and you kill it in a way where there's very little to recover because the people will uprise once they're starving and they have nothing to lose. Um, the Chinese spokesperson gave a, uh, a response saying the U.S. does this kind of stuff and a bunch of Chinese propaganda garbage coming from the Chinese Communist Party. Why does here's the thing the things are escalating between the US and China? Uh, the threat's not theoretical, is, is what Jenny Easterly yesterday said. And again, this is coming to the House Select Committee hearing on, on China. Um, there's uh, halfway crises that could happen anywhere uh, across the world that could impact um, um, US livelihood, right? I mean, them disrupting the power on the West Coast. If you can imagine the the scenario we looked at in May of last year, if you haven't seen that, we did a whole we did a, we dedicated a, a decent part of the episode talking about that uh, in May of last year. If China uh, takes out the power in Hawaii, Guam, and the entire western seaboard, that's the state of Washington, Oregon, California. It cripples U.S. military response. Not only that, it creates an uprising, meaning instead of shipping people out, we've got to calm the stuff that's going in at home. And that's the distraction. That's a three, four-day modus. That's a three, four-day delay in being able to help Taiwan throw off any sort of Chinese attack on there. And, and, and there's, there's significant reasons why China wants Taiwan beyond the one China policy that's the one China policy is, is an excuse. The, the the big thing here is China understands that Taiwan produces 95 of the world's semiconductors. If you own that, like they own the mineral uh, the mineral facilities and the mineral uh, 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 and the mineral sites in Africa and different parts of Asia, because that's what China's done is they've gone to these different places and, and they've essentially they own some of the minings of some of these rare earth minerals that are needed, and then they own the manufacturing. They essentially dictate global policy at that point, and they don't need to dictate it at the government. They can dictate it at the business level, understanding that democracies have lobbyists and there's there's a whole thing there. They they essentially backdoor their way into creating policy. So there's a lot there. All of these uh, kind of notes that you see here will be in the show notes. Um, and, and I'll likely kind of break this down at some point on Substack with an exclusive audio podcast, uh, just, just talk, kind of talking about this. Um, so you can go check that out there as well. The other charged hearing yesterday was the one at the Judiciary Committee hearing on 
promoting child online safety bill, a bill that's uh, uh, received little support from social media platforms, a lot of support from Americans, a lot of support from families of teens who have been and, and children who have been impacted by online sexual abuse, uh, drug overdoses, uh, suicides, and so much more. The hearing uh, there had, uh, I believe, uh, Meta uh, CEO Mark Zuckerberg was there, um, ex-CEO uh, Linda Yaccarino uh, was there, as well as Snapchat, uh, I believe, and several others. Um, Lindsey Graham, who doesn't miss an opportunity to be Lindsey Graham, and you know he loves blood and war. That's that's few. If there's anything on Lindsey Graham's legacy that will be remembered forever, it's blood and war. He tells Mark Zuckerberg, "You have blood on your hands." The irony of him saying that to Mark Zuckerberg is absolutely astonishing. Absolutely astonishing. So there were also important new revelations with X coming and saying, "We absolutely support the act." And are willing to stand behind it we believe that companies and social media platforms should be sued for allowing child sexual exploitation the other company that said they would support the kids online safety act called cosa is snap ceo evan spiegel who made the same commitment last week and they want to see it accelerate so meta discord and tiktok declined to make commitments like that obviously why would tiktok it's a chinese propaganda machine that the same people that are saying mark zuckerberg's got blood on our hands are still letting the chinese poison the well of our kids for a few bucks. Um, many senators focused on Wednesday on the need to create civil and criminal liability for the platforms. No, you need to get a law in place. You need to ensure that children who sign up and the parents have oversight. You need to ensure that sexually explicit content is not seen through their feeds. It's not shared through their DMs. Those are the things that need to be done. But instead, again, this kind of goes to civil penalties and, and so forth and, and creating a a, a significant challenge for practitioners all across. And why is this important as practitioners? Because as you see this, you start to understand to the fact that everyone is screaming, we're facing a nation state actor that's threatening not only our organizations and our businesses, but our critical infrastructure and our families. And yet we can't seem to come with a comprehensive bill or policy around uh, federal privacy, around data breach notification, around child online safety, somehow 535 elected officials can't seem to come up with some sort of comprehensive plan to protect Americans other than to do this stuff. And yes, it's an election year, but the way to get reelected is to actually do something, not highlight the fact that there's partisanship. We don't hire politicians to stick to party lines. We hire you to talk to each other to bring the best deal for Americans. And the failed in that contract with America, every single person on every single side of the aisle has done that. So that's the charge day we saw yesterday in Capitol Hill. Obviously, these two things, um, um, the, these these two things are, are going to be critical and, and are going to really uh, shape the way the role of cybersecurity practitioners is in organizations. All right, folks. Um, just so we continue on with the show here. Uh, mindful of time, I can go on forever about the uh, ludicrous things that go on on Capitol Hill. Uh, Ivanti is calling uh, urgent attention to two new high severity vulnerabilities. It's Connect Secure and Policy Secure VPN products. Warning: one of the bugs was discovered during investigation of another of, of an ongoing zero day attack. So they haven't met their own patch timeline. 
They started rolling out fixes on a staggered schedule, and now they've run into additional CVEs um, and, and additional exploits. So all in all, they've had four different issues, CVE 2023-46805, CVE 2024-21887, and 2189-3. So all in all, Avanti's just not having a good start to the year. And uh, CESA is also apparently starting to lose some of its patience with them there as well. So Johnson Controls, if you recall, in September of last year, went through a ransomware attack. We're now getting some details in an SEC filing. The company said the attack was discovered during the weekend of September 23rd. The incident involved unauthorized access to its system data exfiltration and the deployment of file encrypting malware. The company disclosed the incident in late September. It was reported that the group calling itself Dark Angels was behind the attack, and they claimed to have stolen 27 terabytes worth of data from Johnson Control. They demanded a $51 million ransom in exchange for a decryption tool and to delete the stolen files, which may have included highly sensitive information. The theft of the data was confirmed in the latest SEC filing, which revealed that the disruptions and limitations caused by the ransomware attack continued into the first quarter of 2024. The impact on the net income of the three month of the three months ended December 31st. Lost or deferred revenues and net revenue law uh, deferred at the end of the fiscal amounts to nearly 27 million dollars in direct losses due to the incident. That's not including everything they've probably had to do. These expenditures include third-party expenditures, including IT recovery and forensic experts performing professional services to investigate and remediate the incident, as well as incremental operating expenses incurred from the resulting disruption to the company business operation. It also caused disruption of certain company billing systems, which impacted cash provided from operations during the first quarter of this year. Another great one to reference. If you all remember, a few months ago, we talked about uh, the orange... Uh, cellular provider who had their ripe account essentially hacked and traffic redirected well now we know that there's a whole bunch of ripe accounts on sale uh many of those in, in the middle east as well as europe and africa and so hundreds of network operators credentials were stolen via a compromised ripe account were recently discovered as being sold in the dark web Sean Loveland, the COO at ReSecurity, found the leaked credentials, said bet actors used acquired compromised credentials to ripe and other portals for the probing of other applications and services to which the victim may have had privileged access. Based on the assessments, they've been able to have create chances for successful network intrusion and get those credentials out. Obviously, uh, Orange Spain was one of the first to experience this type of outage, and now we know many others. So if you are uh, if you have a ripe account in any of those nations, uh, please, in, 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 in Africa and in Europe or the Middle East, even in the U.S., I'd suggest you rotate your passwords and usernames. Make sure you get that all taken care of. Since that's also warning today that the patch kernel security flaw affecting Apple iPhones, Macs, TVs, and watches is now being exploited in attacks, meaning if you haven't patched it, please make sure to do so. That's also a requirement for the federal agencies. We won't have time to really dig into this one, but the link is in the show notes. Go check it out. Um, leaky vessel containers and, and vulnerabilities in Dockers and Run Seas is actually kind of showing that the layers between containers and host operating systems are starting to crackle here as researchers have found several vulnerabilities for in total in Docker components that could allow attackers to access host OSs from within the containers. And one of those vulnerabilities is in Run C, a command line tool for spawning and running containers on Linux that underpins multiple container engines, not just Docker. This was found by Synac and they did release an open source tool to check for these in your environment. Absolutely 
go ahead and use it. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back Monday with a whole lot more on the show. Again, uh, I'll be traveling next week, so I won't be in the studio doing the show, but I'll still be with all of y'all. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And most importantly, stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.